This is Empowered Human Academy. Welcome home. Everything you'll ever need is already inside of you, even on the days when that feels hard to believe. Empowered Human Academy exists to remind you of who you are, to help you stay close to what's possible right here in every breath. I'm Abe. And I'm Isaac. We're both on our own journeys of growth, and what we've learned so far is that empowerment is as unique as you are. Once you've discovered just how expansive you are inherently, the world opens up around you. As we begin to feel better, life begins to feel better, and what it means to be alive comes alive in a whole new way. While your path is uniquely yours, we're in this together. Listening to each other's stories helps us imagine how to access our own power to keep going. We're here to create a life that feels like ours, one that calls us onward and upward because we're living as ourselves, fully and only. These conversations are part of that exploration and you're invited. So with hearts wide open, let's begin. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. Sending big love to you wherever you are right now. We're alive, we're here, and it is a gift to be with you in this moment. Today's guest is someone who's very dear to us and is a frequent collaborator of ours who's filmed the anniversary videos that we make every year. We've shared some beautiful moments in some beautiful places over the years, and today's episode feels like an extension of one of our many heart-expanding conversations. Joshua Tree, the Rocky Mountains, the California Redwoods, and now here with you. Orion Paul identifies as an artist, space holder, and healer. As a documentary filmmaker, Orion is currently exploring themes like cultural ideals, feelings, and rituals surrounding death. His most recent film, Bury Me at Taylor Hollow, won Best Tennessee Short at the Nashville Film Festival. Throughout this conversation, we discuss the origin of identity, staying both grounded and adaptable in the midst of growth, and reframing grief as healing energy. In many ways, this hour with Orion is an exploration of consciousness waking up to itself. Consciousness in suspension, curiosity, and participatory evolution. Going off the grid to see what we might find, like exploring the backroads on your way home. The spaciousness in this episode, this venturing beyond our typical structure, is true to form for Orion, a soul that by nature is willing to break out of the box in search of the real and true. Time with Orion is always an expansive place to land, and we hope it might be an invitation to lean into your own becoming and growth. We loved this hour with Orion, and we're so stoked to share it with you. So, let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to Empowered Human Academy with our friend and a person who is really inspiring in a lot of ways, Orion Paul. Hi, Orion. You're one of our good friends, and I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today because this is like basically what we do every time we get on the phone, even if it's for like five minutes or an hour. I'm like, let's not shoot the shit. Maybe let's shoot the shit for like five seconds and then like, (laughs) what's on your heart? What do you believe about the universe today? Everything. So I'm really excited for you to be here and for our listeners to listen in on a little bit of your heart, your mind, where you're at, who you are. How are you doing today? Hey, so good to be with you, Abe and Isaac, through the screen, across the radio waves, and with whoever's listening to this right now. I echo everything you just said. I feel like there are some friends that you have just like fun with. There are some friends that you went through super transformational seasons of life with. And then there's friends that you can just always connect on ideas and life and philosophy and There's definitely like some contrast between us. I admire a lot of the ways that you guys shine, that it's very different than me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's even easier to see that in y'all because in some ways I am not like this super empowerment focused person. Like I've learned so much just from proximity of friendship. I told Isaac, he asked if I listened to these conversations. I listened to these. I get a lot from y'all and I'm excited to sit down and talk for a little bit, connect with heart and mind, as you said, Abe. Mm. You know the drill because you've heard these before. And so maybe you've practiced an answer. We're about to find out. The opening question is, as ever, what words of identity feel like a home? Like a home that is yours specifically, not about other people, not about relationship. 
Those may be factors that you choose to bring in, but not necessarily. What words of identity feel like your own when you're not looking to make an impression, you're just you being you? What feels like it fits? That last part, when you're not trying to make an impression, I feel like this is one I've recently been able to say, and it's felt really aligning, is identifying as an artist. Hmm. And I think what that means is just following another word that I would say people say to me, but I also agree with this creative. But through the lens of artists, I feel like I've figured out recently part of what being an artist is, is just always being authentic to what you're doing and creating. And so sometimes people think of an artist as like, oh, this is what that artist does. But to me, an artist can evolve and change so much and change mediums and change so many directions in life. And Mm -hmm. the way that I feel about that word is like, I think everyone should feel that way, I guess. But yeah, I would say artist. And then another one that's totally unique because Rebecca and I were talking about answering this question a week ago. And I was like, I feel like I don't have a bunch of tangible things to point to, but I feel like a healer and Mm. a like space holder. I'm like a place for people to land, but I also feel like healer is like this unique one that I've never said or described myself as ever to anyone. And that came up when I was thinking through this answer. Fascinating. I'm not even going to be more specific with my question. Tell me more. I think when I was a teenager, it was really helpful. At the end of my teens, my friend bought me the Strengths Finders test. And if you don't know what Strengths Finders is, it's just a way to kind of identify some of your skill sets focused on what you're already good at and trying to find pathways in that realm. And my number one strength is restorative. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, I can go macro, like big picture and micro, like small picture. I feel like I probably spend more time in the macro space because I love ideas and I love talking about society and behavior and concept. And so I feel like I need to figure out how to help humans heal, Mm -hmm. humanity heal, become better today than we were tomorrow. And that has to do with treatment towards self and also I feel like so much of it has to do with relationships with others too. Like it's not just personal healing. It's like connected interpersonal healing Mm -hmm. and communities healing. Yeah. What makes you able to say, or if that's even too far along, what makes you even able to think that now? You said you've never introduced yourself this way before. Why? It's a good question. The true answer is I don't know. And me elaborating would be, I'm just trying to be honest about the realities that are in my life. And so I feel like, oh, I'm seeing that. I'm feeling that. I don't have a lot of things that I could give you. Like, here's an example yeah. of how I do it. Like, I'm not a therapist. Yeah, I don't have like a role where I could point you to necessarily. But I do feel like art in itself, I think, is kind of prophetic it's like future-minded i heard a quote this past weekend at a film festival that was like artists are the animals that can feel the earthquake before it comes Mm -hmm. and so then they're like creating things and they're sensing things that then other people pick up and then they're like they see what they were interacting with later because it becomes Mm -hmm. more clear and i feel like healers are like the opposite of that they're like in the past maybe or like they're focused on where things got stuck if you imagine something going down a stream and it gets stuck on the side and it's just cycling in this eddy on the edge, but it needs to like get back into the current, get back into the flow, get back into like the essence, the life. Hmm. So I don't know why I don't have an answer yet for the healer thing, but probably cause I've been, I've talked a lot with my friends on my backgrounds in video production. It's more, technical in that way but i do probably sense myself even if it's not vocation wise getting more into community work getting more into community relationship work and i've done that a lot since we moved to the neighborhood that we're in right now and just continuing to build that muscle and maybe that's like the one place where i see that happening a little bit right now sure i find this larger answer that you're speaking here beautiful i think in part because i don't know like the essence of who we are 
per my current worldview anyway, what I believe right now, like that's something ineffable, I think. And maybe it's an indicator that we've landed on something real that we can't really describe how it got there or why it's true right now. Maybe the things that have a storyline. No, I'm not even going to define that. Like, I'm not going to say that's less than because like meaning can come from anywhere, but I think it's, I feel like I've touched something important in, in you sharing that perspective on it. So thank you. Well, I'm just curious about, you said it's been a recent development of like identifying as that, or even exploring what that means to you. Are you in a space right now that you're at, you are thinking like, okay, I know this about myself or I know my capacity to do this. And does that initiate some sort of desire within you to go down that path to explore that? Or is it more so identifying what is and then just kind of letting it be? Does that make sense? Like one is like more action oriented, maybe goal oriented, or my mind goes to like, okay, are you seeing places where you can insert yourself as the healer or set up the environment for healing? Or are you just kind of accepting that this is just a part of who you are? Yeah, it's almost like the second one where it's like I look down and I'm like, oh, I'm wearing the clothing. Wow, cool. It's not goal-oriented. That's a great question. I've always wanted to ask you guys at this point in the podcast, and we don't have to spend a lot of time there. I know you're interviewing me. (laughs) When do you think someone has an individual identity and how much of that is from the womb conception? This is a part of this human or how much of that is kind of layered on because of your life experiences, birth order, you could fill in a million things there that would impact that. Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. For me, just off the top of my head, I think that there are kind of natural traits that we're kind of born with. You know, one can be more quiet, one can be more extroverted. Like literally my mom always told me I always kicked in the womb and I was very active and I had a lot of energy literally from conception. But then as I grow older, and of course this is my very, very individual experience, but there are a lot of things that kind of come out as I allow myself space and safety for them to be and to explore without having to be like, oh, well, I'm a flirtatious person, but I repressed that so much for my whole life because I thought it was bad or I I didn't know how to explore it. So I think that there are a lot of different variables of our identity that come out in different ways. And over time, when we allow them to, and when we feel like it could be an aha moment, like, oh, I am flirtatious. Or it could be like, I want to practice being flirtatious because that's coming from a core desire with where I'm at right now. Hmm. But I don't know if that like concretely answered your question, but I just think it's complex. Yeah, it speaks to like when it comes out. It's kind of like you're saying it's always there, but then the way that when we align with certain things and how much yes. it is a part of us, that like, it's like our lungs, sometimes it expands or maybe it contracts. Yep, hmm. 100%. And I identify as an artist too. So I like what you said about things kind of evolving and changing and and exploring. And you're just kind of like a wave. You're not in one space. And I think the human experience is just very fluid. And I think just diving into that fluidity and and motion, momentum, if we're aware of it, can allow us to accept and honor the things that are coming out in that Hmm. flow, if that makes sense. I think... For me, because this family of idea is something that I'm actively exploring. And so what I feel compelled to share here is not like my thesis, but something like the last thing that I read that sounded right. And the last thing that I read that sounded right is that we are larger than this. We've done this more than once. We are doing it maybe more than once right now. And when we show up in this form here, we do so with a specific chosen perspective, like a definite, distinct perspective. Like this is how we are protruding into this realm today. Like it's an elected thing. And I think the parts that are important there are the fact that it's, well, within this worldview, it's a fact that it's choice and it's also definite. Not that it can't express itself in many different ways, not that its self-understanding can't evolve, but I think that the last thing that I read that sounded right was that we show up here as an expression of us, as a theory of ourselves, as an application of ourselves, as a stance, maybe, that is elected and is specific. Does that make sense? It really does. And that answers the question 
Perfectly. It, it makes sense why you'd ask that question because you're really getting at the root of that then, you know, like the core of someone's presence here at this time in this place in their body in, in this pass through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would you answer your own question? I love what Isaac just said in as far as ways of having ideas. The last thing I read that sounded true, I feel so in between worldviews right now that I'm I'm saturating and soaking in a lot. Certainty is this beautiful drug that I used to have growing up. And I don't want to just keep saying I don't know to every answer, but (laughs) (laughs) I am probably a tad bit more on like, there is a part of our identity that is just uniquely ours, but I, it'd be hard for me to sway from like environmental things impact the playing out of that just because from what I've been reading lately and understanding about ourselves is that humans are just so good at mimicking and how we've learned things. There's not a ton of genius as much as we think. There's just a lot of like, we learn stuff and we, we we're really good at teaching stuff and we're really good at, we can pass things off. Mm -hmm. So I do think that we definitely pick things up. I would guess we pick things up along the way that then are always on us, but we didn't have them maybe from the beginning. Sure. You said you've been soaking up everything. How has that been impacting your now professionally, personally, relationships, everything? There's been some, you know, whitewater waves, however you want to describe it with family as I've kind of expressed new beliefs or not having old beliefs, but not in a horrible way. Just like, I think part of the reason stories are so powerful is because that's how we most succinctly transfer like ideas to people. So, or metaphors or whatever. Michael Forsberg is so good at this. So true. So true. For those of you who are listening, we interviewed Michael Forsberg. I mean, I think episode eight or 11 or something, go check out his episode. It's really dope. Oh, it's really encouraging how he talks about generosity or kindness. I can't remember which language he used. It was so inspiring Mm -hmm. and listening. That episode is so good. Y'all turn this, hit pause on this, (laughs) go back, start Michael's. But I feel like growth is like an egg coming out of a shell and it's, or like birth, human birth. That's probably a better Mm -hmm. example. That's like a traumatic event. It is uncomfortable to leave a place of knowing and comfort and come through. And so how the learning new things or like shifting ideas or being really open to like, oh, you believe we have tons of past lives. Okay, I'm, I will listen to that. Mm-hmm. You believe that like there's a bunch of Hindu gods. Tell me more about that. It's a little bit like it's good because I'm open and I really do listen. And I'm really receptive and it's a little bit uncomfortable because I'm not holding on to like specific handles that I know are like fixed to this one spot. Mm-hmm. Like I can always mm-hmm. go back to this and like, I got this thing that I know is always like this. So, yeah, but I love learning. And so it's been exciting overall, I would say, you know how sometimes anxiety and excitement can feel similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels more exciting than the other thing. What about it is exciting to you? Like what specifically are there things or is it more so the general kind of feeling of expansion, newness? What about it? It's exciting to you. It's like, feels like consciousness. Like you're learning more. You're yeah. like soaking mm-hmm. in more. It doesn't come without a, maybe a small cost. It's easy to romanticize growth and learning and it's tough sometimes. I'm not going to like lie to you, but To me, it's exciting. It feels like, oh, this is what life has always been doing. And I'm doing what the template of life is. Learning, expanding, risking, growing, Mm -hmm. living. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes that knocks stuff over. But yeah, and I've created a little bit more margin in my life during the pandemic to just read more. Rebecca, people in my life have always read a lot more than I have. I still don't have the same quantity. Like I don't read a book a week. A lot of, some of my friends read a book a week. I'm not quite there, but I, I do try to take in information, listen to conversations like this podcast. And I'm just more curated with what I ingest because what I do take in has a 
somewhat big impact on me or I process it a lot or I talk about it a lot. Like, so when I read a book, like it's bad if I read a bad book, cause I'm just, I'm going to talk about it. So if it's like <laughs> a totally. shitty book, like, mm-hmm. sorry, everybody, you know, cause I'm going to yep. have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. When I think of change and growth and something that pops to my head when you were talking about, this is the format of life and we're learning and we're growing and we're tripping, whatever. I'm asking this, let me preface with saying, there's a cost to growth, like you were talking about sometimes. And I think at one point, I think you said that, but a cost to growth in my mind could mean letting go of something that you knew or letting someone go, letting an environment, letting a practice, a routine, which can be really kind of scary sometimes because it's like, whoa, like that might've been a foundational part of who I was. So speaking of the word foundation, how do you stay grounded in the transformational growth that you've had? Because I feel like sometimes like I find myself as a person who, like you, I like to learn. I like to experience different things. There's this core sense of like, for me, safety in grounding myself in, I guess, what I know or what I believe in the moment or something that that is true to me or known. What does grounding look like for you? And do you get overwhelmed? in the midst of newness or overwhelmed with like soaking everything in? Cause sometimes it can be overwhelming. So how do you stay grounded in that? One thing I do that I've learned is smile. Like I normally do not smile in high school, college, just take myself so seriously. And I'm just saying that one cause I started to do it. Cause I thought about it when you were saying it and then I started to smile. But I do think this is something if, the theory of we're kind of, we have our identity from the set. I do think that this one looks different for everyone. For me, it's a lot of the basics, which is nature being like in the natural environment of the earth, the world, which just means like daily, you know, try to get outside. So like I said, these are basic. I think Mm -hmm talking with other humans and like trying to, if not normalize, at least be able to express parts of what you're shining light on so that everything you're learning isn't in this room that no one ever goes to or has access to. So I think Mm -hmm. sharing the journey and I think that can be really hard if you don't, like I have Rebecca, you guys have each other. I have a soulmate who's like, down for the journey, down for the growth, Mm -hmm. down for the expression. So nature, sharing with other humans and journaling is, should not be underrated if you don't have that person or someone that you pay to be able to just be completely open and talk without them being a friend or a family member or maybe having mixed motives. So a therapist Mm -hmm. or a coach or whatever that looks like, but just someone that whose job is your benefit is really helpful. And then I think for me, because of how I'm wired, I am so effing serious sometimes. And so the smiling helps, but then it's just like releasing, having to put the puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's hard yeah. because I think yeah. macro level and I want everything to work and I want us to figure this out politically and socially. And I want us to, I want us to be somewhere where we're not. And so part of it's just like accepting the beauty and chaos that exists with life. Yeah, yeah. Which I think links to spirituality. I think in the past, spirituality was something I kind of shied away from as I deconstructed a specific belief system. But now I think spirituality really helps as well. I don't have a specific spirituality, but I have a lot of beliefs that are not science-based. So... (laughs) (laughs) Same. Hey, friend. Hi. If you've been enjoying and resonating with the energy and themes here on the podcast, then we'd love for you to apply to be a guest on Empowered Human Academy. We all have wisdom and insight to share. So if the idea of opening a window into your process and what you're learning at the moment lights you up inside, then we'd love to hear from you. Or if there's someone you find inspiring that comes to mind, maybe someone you know, then send them our way. Simply head over to eha.party, fill out a quick form, and then we'll be in touch if it feels aligning. Do you know someone who'd enjoy this as well? Text them the link too. We'd really, really love to hear from you. Again, just go to eha.party, fill out the form, and we'll keep on exploring together. Now, back to the conversation. 
I'm curious about, and I'm paraphrasing here, tell me if I'm getting it wrong at any point, the urge or the compulsion to see it all fit. And I'm asking from what I think is a kindred place. I feel less of that now for any number of reasons, but I know well my version of a feeling where I see how it could be better and I just want it to be. And I'm tired of seeing discord and hurt and all of this. So I want to know from you, and maybe this is a simplistic question, like maybe the answer is just like, I'm not a shitty human, but like, why do you care? I don't know. One of my mantras that I don't think is specific to me lately is like, your heart is good. Mm-hmm. So if you ever come to my house, that's my Wi-Fi password. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the most true thing I recently read, Isaac, is this book called Humankind, A Hopeful History. And it's kind of honest about some of the ways for sure that we are group animals and not great to each other sometimes, but there is so much media and stories around the Lord of the Flies version of humans, which is Mm -hmm. when left on an island, we will kill each other. And almost everyone, even people listening to this, even people in the empowerment space, maybe not everyone, but we're just so quick to be like, oh yeah, humans will always take advantage of humans. Mm -hmm. And the book really dissects it in a way that's like, actually humans are almost always good to each other face to face humans almost never harm other humans you really have to like indoctrinate that into them and when Mm -hmm. it does happen it does happen but a lot of it potentially has to do more with like the modern world way of existing and like how war was actually really rare at the levels that it is now so there's like points in there where you could argue with me and probably break apart part of that argument but My answer is that I think everyone kind of has this thing and everyone kind of has what I have, which is I want people to get along and I want people to connect without harming one another. As much as I would love to tell you that that's unique to me, I think that's just a thing about humans, the way that we've arrived to where we are. We're so social. We're so good at connecting. Mm -hmm. And... Everyone should read the book. I will yeah, just I really want to read it. As an optimist, I'm like, give me all the facts. Let me well, back up my optimism <laughs> with facts. Well, I read Sapiens First, which is like the mm. darkest history of Homo sapiens, which talks about like how we made every single large mammal go extinct as soon as we got to Australia. It's like the fastest extinction rate of any animal to other animals. So I think I bounced off this like really dark not dark, but like just perception of humans. And then like all things, there's nuance. I think both can kind of belong. And so there's just so much storytelling where we fulfill the prophecy that we make telling the story a certain way. And so I'm trying to weave in whenever I have a platform or a space, just sort of like, I actually think you're good. I actually think humans are good. And obviously I'm going to get torn down in certain contexts when you watch certain things that are real that happen in the harm yeah, that totally. humans create for other humans. We forget to, in the next sentence or breath, mention the things that are actually good mm-hmm. that are happening. And I feel like the society and news and everything normalizes bad versus normalizing actually what's around us every day. How many people in our neighborhood don't come in and try to like bang on our door with a bat or like try to deceive us? You know what I mean? I feel like we're just kind of, people who want to do life with our family and friends and just be healthy. I, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. or just get by, you know, focusing on the tiniest, most possibly insequential part of what you just said, you use the word bouncing to describe like maybe I was bouncing off of the darkness of sapiens into something different. Do you do a lot of that? Like bouncing off of a thing that felt a certain way into a different direction or tell me about you and how you move through collecting stimuli. Let's put it that way. I have that pattern for sure. With people and relationship, I've had that pattern where I tried one thing, it didn't work out. And then I completely tried the other thing. In a way, I think 
that is inevitable with behavior where we are always. So I was raised with a very concrete belief system, a really specific way of seeing the world. And so I've kind of responded pendulum to that. Yeah. yeah. Dancing or outside the circle or expanding it. And so I do think, yes, maybe that's unique to me. I'm like always just responding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not like super intentional where I'm like, I'm going to read. Well, technically I usually just read a bunch of nonfiction and then I'm like, I have to read a freaking fiction. (laughs) I have to like, I have to just do this. I really appreciate nuance. And so I think that's what I get by the contrast is like, yeah, you know, I love bison and there's bison that leave Yellowstone and they go into ranchers land North of Yellowstone and they really harm the crops and stuff. And so they're called the farmers are allowed to like kill them, you know? Mm. And I've always thought about making a documentary fully from both perspectives, like the environmentalists that are like, think this is the worst thing that has ever happened and finding real true fragments. And then the other side fully telling their other side story with, impact that it has and the impact on family. And the problem that I have with that is I'm not trying to create apathy. And so I think that project might create apathy where it's like, see, it doesn't matter what you choose. What would you be trying to create? What's the motivation there? Just showing nuance and showing that there's multiple true stories that are true for individual experiences that are different. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Yes. And so it's like, both belong, you know? Mm-hmm. I've literally been thinking about that with the state of very loud everything and like saying like, no, this is it. I'm like, wow, like we forgot the nuance of humanity and everyone's experience and everyone's like history and trauma and everything. Everything is just so nuanced that like the rhetorical question or whatever is just like, how do you hold all that? And then what do you do with it? And I think quieting ourselves or just like, I don't know. This is why I like exploring the conversations that we do on Empowered Human Academy because you see multiple ways of doing similar things sometimes. And it's like, wow, there's not just one way to do it or it's mm-hmm. not, not one way to be. So you're a filmmaker. You see a lot of different people's perspectives. How do you hold your truth next to all these different nuanced truths? And do you do that? And do you do that? Yeah, I've struggled with that. I think I've struggled with... I'm I'm really good at adapting. Maybe that's kind of answering your last question, Isaac. I'm really good at adapting. I'm not good at directing. And Mm -hmm. I'll just be honest about that. I'm not good at saying, I want to create this exact thing. I'm good at like, okay, you gave me these three things. I can totally make something out of this. Versus like, I'm going to go get the exact things I need to make the thing that I want. And I think for your question, Abe, it's like, how do I hold my truth next to others? I think it's, it's a balance because sometimes you have to ignore things and put your head down and move forward. Whereas my inclination is like, understand everything, let everybody talk, think through all the options. So I think as I just create more, I think I'll start to trust more. Like, Oh, I know that, I'm going to get negative criticism for this, but I actually believe that what I'm doing needs to be here. And so I'm just going to lean into it. And, and then Mm. hopefully I won't go into like a spiral because I, I was firm enough in what I believe to keep doing what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. So I haven't had that. That's probably why I don't have this, or it's one reason why I don't have this huge career or this huge public persona. Cause I haven't had this, like, I know what I'm doing. without any doubts. And I think that will come in higher waves for certain projects or certain times in my life. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's beautiful. I personally resonate pretty hard with that. And I think the only reason why I have such direction now is that I've settled on a kind of direction that's sufficiently abstract that it feels like I can hold on to it which is an interesting way to say it. And now that I'm reflecting on my words, like it's abstract enough that it's firm enough for me to hold. Like I I feel like 
material specifics and specific projects are almost like too specific to matter to me. And so Lightword as a company, like I feel so strongly about it. I know what it is only because it's so fucking abstract and I don't know how to tell anyone what it is, but I know what it is. And it's what feels firm enough to me in a way that smaller air quotes, smaller, more specific, more touchable things are not as real and tangible to me, which is interesting. This conversation is going in interesting places. Normally there's not quite this much dialogue and normally the person on the other end doesn't ask questions and I love enjoying it. this. Very I love much. it. It's like we're hanging out and our listeners get to listen in. But here's also a thing that I find interesting is that balance, that swing, that pendulum that you were talking about, because in some instances you're like, I don't have enough concrete anything to like be grounded in what I'm or have confidence in saying like, this is the way, but sometimes, like you said, depending on the project, whatever situation, you're like, no, this is the truth. And I think that that can be a really beautiful dance. And I'm like the opposite. I like, I like, like sti- actually the opposite, I yeah. stick something and I'm like, this is it. And then I'm open for it to change, mm-hmm. but I don't, I can't start from abstract. I need to start from concrete. Like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what it is. And then it expands versus like going from big to small. I go from small to big a lot. I don't know. Does that make sense? I'm purposefully not giving you a chance to sneak in a word edgewise because I want to channel whatever you say into this next question. And it comes from the stirring that I'm feeling and what you're saying. You said you feel like what you're doing needs to be here. And I have a version of that sense if we're talking about the same thing. That's what I'm carving into here. There are things that I'll do because I sense that the space wants it to exist. I want to know more about what your version of this is. Like when you say what I'm doing needs to be here, what do you mean? What does that feel like? When did I say that? What I'm doing needs to be here? You were talking about holding on to your perspective with others. And you were talking about what you do as a filmmaker and not having, not directing so much as responding. Maybe I'm paraphrasing also Mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. but I got the sense that at least the way that I heard it, I thought that maybe you were talking about maybe specific projects like a sense that your reaction to the space is that there's a, not a hole here, but like the space is asking for this to exist. And so I need to do it. Does that feel like a thing? Yeah, I think there is not like one big specific thing right now. I think I don't want to keep the conversation abstract with ideas. It's great to talk about like tangible things, but one space that I feel very drawn to, and it's kind of an offshoot of the last film Rebecca and I made, which is called Bury Me at Taylor Hollow, which is a 30 minute short documentary about a natural conservation burial ground, which means it's a place that's just like this beautiful forest preserve that's a cemetery where people are buried and they're Hmm. not embalmed. And so there's like more environmental friendly practices with the actual burial it's cheaper and then you're conserving a bunch of acres that can never be developed. And the combination of making that film and then some of my experiences with loss earlier in my imprint and then going to Burning Man and they have this very beautiful ritual called the temple that was started because somebody died on the way out to the festival and then they created this big like memorial thing. Mm-hmm. And Saturday at Burning Man is like a crazy party, burn the man. And then Sunday you burn this huge temple with so many people's grief and pain in it. And everyone's just quiet. And I feel like the space that I kind of feel a little bit called to right now is to create space for people to process their grief and pain. And Mm -hmm. part of that is because of what I've learned at onsite where I work, I work at onsite workshops Mm -hmm. and one of the clinicians has taught me that like grief is what your body is doing to heal itself. Similar to if you get a cut and your body starts to do all this stuff to heal the cut, your body is doing stuff to heal your body. Grief is helping the pain pass through your body and not get lodged. There's always going to be pain, but it can transform if you grieve correctly. And so much of our culture interrupts grief because we are uncomfortable with grief. And so the most tangible idea is a podcast, which will be conversations with friends that are 
going through things like their parents dying or they are dying or they had this experience or XYZ, just creating a little bit more space to have conversations around that. And yeah. And that might be where some of that healing stuff that I talked about from the beginning pulls in. But I do feel like, because Abe, you and I have talked about this, where death can be more activating. And for me, it's it's not, I guess, or, or it probably was this year, but I can hold that space for people, I guess. And I can yeah. be in that space and potentially even get energized from it if it goes well, or if I feel like it was helpful, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that I know that that's not true for everyone. And so I feel like I can kind of lean into that. And there could be more films in that vein or just I've thought about doing micro things in the neighborhood about people that have lost people during COVID and creating some type of way for us to safely come together and actually like honor some of these people who were buried without any presence of people. No, you know, mm-hmm. there's maybe eight people that could be there or whatever it is just to, like I said, I don't, it's not to fixate. It's to help ourselves kind of pass through. Hmm. David White has this quote. I don't, I can't like find the exact quote online, but Rebecca listened to these poets webinars during COVID. And he said something that I wrote down that was, there's no sincere path in life without heartbreak. And what he meant by that was just like, if you love things, then they're impermanent. And if you truly love them, there will have to be a release of that thing. Mm -hmm. You're either going to leave it or it's going to leave you. And so Mm -hmm. it's very human, I think, to lose things. So yeah, I feel a small calling to help with, or I feel energy around helping people grieve. You mentioned earlier, like you're not a counselor, but what's the difference between like in your mind, like holding the space and like not counseling. Does that make sense? Because would one, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, what does one go through when they're in that space? What's the difference in your mind? Yeah. I mean, I think for the conversations, I will get some insight from some of my therapist friends. I think for ritual, I don't feel as much like I would be crossing some boundary or whatever. Ritual is just like, it helps people form strong memories and memories is are what we remember of life and it slows time down. We're in a moment. We think back on it. And so I think the like ritual part, creating rituals to me, I guess spiritual people have held that role in history. Obviously like 150 years ago, there was maybe no such thing as like a quote unquote therapist. Mm-hmm. We have like a, the history of like everything of the APA, I think it's called is super racist and mm-hmm. excluded non-white people. It was used to like further enslave people at its origin. And so, and said like homosexuality is a mental illness. Exactly. Up until like the seventies and stuff. Yeah, totally. So I am a fan of good therapists just because someone has a certification doesn't mean they're like a good therapist. I'm saying a lot of things. Oh, sorry if you catch fire for this. That's okay. I really believe in qualified therapy. I don't think you should just go to anybody, but this is maybe one of those moments of trusting myself where it's like, oh, I think I would be having a net positive. And so I'm not even thinking through, am I a quasi therapist in situation? I don't care. Like, call me what you will. I'm doing, this is worth doing, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And I think, I, oh, I don't know the statistic of adult people that go to therapy, but a ton of us don't. And when we were pre COVID and had all these social interactions and being able to express things, it was a lot better. And in isolation, I feel like hopefully people have realized the need to like talk to people honestly with the reality of their life. Cause so much of our social interactions can become keeping face, you know? And so if you're in an unhealthy place and you're always having to keep face and pretend like that, creates this dissonance and then it can be more isolating. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I don't want to be a therapist. I don't want to go to school and become a therapist. I just, I trust that enough to be like, Oh, I could play a role in helping people. Yeah, absolutely. Is this in any way related to you recently be able to self-describe as an artist? Um, no, cool. 
Easy. <laughs> on to the next question. I was going to follow up on that because I suspected it might be, but it's cool that it's not in any way. What I'm curious about is in your exploration and the moving from one thing to the next and in the dawning awareness of some things like healer and and maybe recently like the artist label or identity or, or however you relate to that is the arrival maybe we can put it that way is the arrival of an identity term how is that or isn't that important to you is it significant that you feel the word healer now? Is it significant that you can claim artist? Or is it just you thought about it for this podcast? You know what I mean? Do you think about it actively? Yeah. This will kind of answer that. And I'm realizing your last question, which is becoming an artist, play into that. So I think that like how we talked earlier in the podcast about how I digest information that is like data-based and information-based and a constructed argument, you know, like mm-hmm. if I'm going to believe new things about hunter gatherers or about 2016 politics, I'm going to need to be won over by logic. Sure. Humans are very not logic based in our actual behavior. We think we're super smart, but we're not. We just do what we feel and what we want to do. Which is beautiful. So most that's a belief system mm-hmm. I have. That's the way I view humans. But I think before I had the label of artist, which I've, I've definitely, to answer your side of it, Abe, I have felt that was not like a preparation for this podcast. It's been probably six months ago is the first time I said that, you know, like, I don't know if you look at the digital artifacts in my life, if I have anywhere that I'm an artist, I probably have filmmakers certain places, but it does feel important because like if I was an educator or historian, I feel the weight to put the puzzle together and then hand you the puzzle through logic. Whereas I think as an artist, I feel like if I'm being honest and authentic, what I create will in some way answer the puzzle, even though I'm not handing you a constructed argument, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like when you see a sculpture that hits you for whatever reason, it aligns with what you're learning in life and where you're leaning and what your next stage of evolution is. I feel like, I can interact with other people in that way as an artist where maybe when I'm 50, I will be like, Hey, here's how life works. Here's how we can save humanity. Here's the game plan. I just, it's like maybe too much pressure or like I'm not smart enough. And I don't mean that in a self condescending way. I just am being honest. And so I feel like the most honest thing I can do maybe is be an artist and express all of it siphoning through me and out my hands and brain and fingers, you know, and into things that you interact with into a sculpture in the park, into a mural that you walk by into a film that you see into Mm -hmm. a painting that's on your friend's wall, you know, like, and then I'm not giving people a full puzzle, but I'm giving them maybe a piece that they're missing. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think when I think of Orion and just kind of like this conversation, it's not in a box. What I get from you is inspiration to not be in a box. And that's maybe connected to the space that you like to create, but it's just this space of you, just you being yourself and you dancing and you just vibing invites me and others into seeing that that's possible as well. And that's why I love being around you. We are going to wrap up with two questions. The first question is, what does an empowered Orion look like and feel like? Open, curious, confident. That's what I need to tell myself right now. Confident Mm -hmm. and willing to take risks. It's been a big one that I've avoided probably the last decade of my life. Hmm. Cool. And what do you know for sure? Man, that is a great question. I actually did not remember the last two questions at the end, even though I've listened to like five episodes. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I know for sure. That's a first, I think. We've heard nothing. Nothing, which is different than I don't know. Yeah. That's beautiful. I was going to say love, but I 
I still am kind of torn about the universe's creation and if there was chaos mixed in at the beginning. So I don't know. I don't, yeah, I really don't know. All right. I appreciate so deeply the conscious and explicit acknowledgement of, for those listening, I'm waving my hands around in the air, like the everything that doesn't come with terms and a grid and, and all of that. So thank you for holding that space here and, and generally. Well, and what I love about this conversation just at the end of it is just that sometimes you don't need takeaways or there probably are a lot of takeaways that are brilliant and your brilliant friend, well, our RP. friend RP and your partner wife soulmate is going to derive from this because she's amazing. But I think what I really love about this conversation is that like, this is also a very valid, eye-opening, inquisitive conversation that is important to have because I think sometimes it's like, no, what are the key takeaways? What are some like mm. concrete things? And sometimes getting out of the concrete is actually really beautiful and powerful as well. Because it's like, oh, cool. Now I can like think about all the things and that's just as impactful and powerful mm. as let me go, you know, write in my journal kind of thing, which is also important. But I like the level of this conversation today. I guess I would say if you're listening to this, I know and you have a heart, like you're alive. And that is one of the most unique things that could ever happen. And that you talked about dancing and I think you were just talking like metaphorically, but that's why I love to dance. The heartbeat, it's just like an expression of, yeah. I mean, it's, I've gotten to the point now where I usually can stave off embarrassment where it's just like, I am expressing my heart, you know, like I am alive. My heart is literally like I am alive right now. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much, Orion, for your heart and your movement through life. And thank you for doing our videos for our wedding and anniversary and being yeah. a creative partner and everything and a friend and yeah we're really lucky to know you i appreciate you thank you ryan likewise love you guys y'all the whole point of everything is to open up ourselves and all the fullness that we're made for and then to create 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 with everything that is real and true and bright that's the work of a life that's what we're working on. And you're here because you feel that for yourself too. And we believe in you completely. And hey, if you want to take a deeper dive, then head over to Apple Podcasts and sign up for a subscription, giving you access to exclusive bonus content. We've recorded a companion episode where we digest the themes of this week's conversation and swap art recommendations, sharing what's giving us life at the moment. It's a lot of fun. We've also put together a free downloadable you'll find at empoweredhumanacademy.com with a table question, journal prompt, and action step to bring the energy of today's episode home to your own life. And if you're resonating with the exploration that we're doing here, if these interviews have meant something to you, then we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us spread the word and get these episodes out to more people. Thank you for being here for choosing to spend some time with us. Now get out there and do something that feels exactly like you, and we'll do the same. And for us, that includes bringing you the next conversation. Until then, stay close to your heart, to your breath, and to your power. Have an amazing, amazing day. <laughs>